The thing about the story that scared the crap out of me is that an artificial super intelligence could fool you. Hello and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, we talk about the genie letting itself out of the bottle. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. How's it going? Uh, it's going good. It's like an image of Aladdin in my head. I know. I was, I was going to make a joke about rubbing your own lamp, but <laughs> it doesn't seem appropriate. <laughs> That'd be a talent. Um, okay, so this week we are going to talk about artificial intelligence. Which we do a lot. We do, but this is specifically in response to a pair of articles from Tim Urban on the Wait But Why blog, which is fabulous. It's a fabulous blog. Uh, he's a great writer. He does really long-form pieces every once in a while. And he's been asked to speak at TED, and he's just really... I just love the way the guy thinks does a really good job explaining things that are impossible to understand. I love the way he illustrates things. <laughs> yeah, it's a very XKCD style of, of making things make sense. Yeah, I and in fact, I first read the article and I'm like, did Randall Monroe write this? <laughs> it sounds kind of like his style too. It does. It's so good. And like, as an aside, I'm like, see, people do read long form content. It just has to be good. Yeah. So anyway, um, so here's the thing. I, the, it, well, I think starting with the premise of the article isn't the worst place to go. So the premise of the article is that there's sort of three stages of artificial intelligence. Narrow, A-N-I, artificial narrow intelligence, I think it stands for. A-G-I, artificial general intelligence, and ASI, artificial super intelligence. And ANI actually exists all around us now. Things like, I mean, Google search is kind of an ANI. They're, they're just very narrowly focused. Siri, Alexa. Yeah, chess playing bots and stuff like that, because they do one thing really well, but it's done in a way that's probably comparable to expert programming that we talked about in the past, where they're highly trained in mm -hmm. a brute force. You know, it's like they're, they're carefully tuned by experts to do a good job of this particular thing, but you can't just turn around and, and have like a, like a, a chess AI suddenly do like Google search results. It doesn't even make it sense. It wouldn't work. Right. No, it, it's just, they're two completely entirely separate contexts. Mm. Uh, artificial general intelligence is when you can take an AI and point it at something else and it does a good as human job at, at or perhaps even a little bit better than human job um, of whatever. And we talked about this on a previous episode when Google took DeepMind's AlphaGo program and instead of having it beat the world's best Go player, it beat the world's best energy efficiency engineers at tuning their, uh, uh, what do you call it? Electricity usage. Yeah, electricity usage at their data centers so that they saved like 15%. And this is after it's been highly optimized by world experts, at this sort of thing. So this, this thing is, uh, you can see that it's a general intelligence in the sense that it's really great at playing Go and it's really great at saving money at your energy bill. Right, imagine what it could do to your car insurance. <laughs> um, the, the question there is, is it really a general intelligence or is it just slightly broader in the sense that it's good at a particular category of things? I don't know the answer to that question, but it's been, I've read that they consider DeepMind to be a, an AGI, okay. a general intelligence. 
or, you know, it's perhaps a beginner, you know, beginning version of that, a V1 mm-hmm. or who knows, I don't know mm-hmm. the progress. But then we get into the artificial superintelligence where, where you know, one one possible approach would be to point a general intelligence at itself. Until it to make itself better. Right. And, you know, it sort of makes sense, you know, snaking in its tail, like point it at itself and like then it sort of almost infinitely at light speed becomes godlike intelligence compared to humans. Yeah. It's like, oh, we've reached artificial general intelligence three hours later. It's like, oh, we've reached godlike intelligence. <laughs> right. Right. And we talked about this in the past episode, uh, specifically around Elon Musk and others being scared of this. And I thought, I always thought that was silly until I read an article where Musk says, basically implies, he didn't say Google, but he basically implied that, you know, well, who who's in charge of it? Because if you have, mm-hmm. if someone's in charge of this and only they can wield it, then that gives them superpower, beyond superpowers. I mean, like, just they could predict the outcome of politics and baseball games and the stock market. And I mean, just like the weather, just crazy, crazy thing, you know, um, sort of predictions, you know, presumption being that there are patterns there, but we're just too dumb to see them. Too dumb to recognize. Yeah, it's really hard to imagine what a a super intelligence that's well beyond human level could do because having human level intelligence ourselves we're not really even capable of imagining that yeah by definition yeah so it was like he he went to great lengths to try and draw analogies here in in the article he did a really good job in two Mm -hmm. places in particular where he talked about the time scale that's involved and you know he's talking about a time machine and going back in time and you'd have to if you went back a hundred years and brought somebody i I think he said might have been 500 years i don't remember exactly 1750 i think yeah so so what's that like you know a few hundred years yeah and you brought him to now they would die because it would be like there wouldn't it would be unrecognizable be like on another planet basically yeah like it's it's not just going to be oh wow this is amazing and they're going to feel shocked like they would be shocked to the point of like heart attack death right it's that mind-bogglingly different right but if that guy from 1750 needed wanted to go back in time and and create that same reaction in someone from farther in the past he'd have to go back like 1200 years yeah no he'd have to go back to like 12,000 BC. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, you're right. That's what it was. Just like like before the invention, before fire and right. <laughs> written language, because things just didn't change that fast. Uh, and they're changing, the you know, velocity is increasing. So, change is happening faster and faster. And he was trying to say that there's this, you know, we reached this inflection point where it hockey sticks because the AI is working on itself. And that can happen very, very quickly. Ray Kurzweil's uh, singularity. Exactly. And so the greatest minds out there, none of them really are arguing about whether or not it's going to happen. It's really more a question of when. The the vast majority of people who are working in this space are like, well, it's not a question of if it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So, and so, you know, I was like, okay, I can get behind Elon Musk. If he's scared of AI because, you know, Google has control over curing cancer and changing world politics. And, you know, that's a little creepy. It is. It is. But this article took it past that and was like, no, it's way worse than that. It's, this is, this is an existential threat or. This is, yeah, this is either the greatest thing to ever happen to us or the worst, but either way, it completely changes the, the scope of humanity. Right, right. We're basically, he's like, we're either going to become immortal or extinct. Like that's the end game. (laughs) <laughs> we're on a we're on a uh, balance beam, and we're gonna fall off to the right, 
and be extinct like everything else that has gone extinct, or we're going to fall off to the left and be the first race on the earth to become immortal. And there was a whole bunch of really interesting things there when you think about like, okay, there's a godlike intelligence that, you know, that acts as like an oracle that can answer questions for us. You can't even imagine how far off the gloves are. You know, there's just total, everything, everything comes back into play. Like, oh, quantum mechanics, no big deal. Nanotechnology, no big deal. Go like this. Space exploration, go, no problem. Go like this. Yeah. <laughs> right? So if if all of a sudden you imagine that that's possible and you could just, and it just like, oh, well, if you want to create a heart that lasts for 600 years, go like this and then you put it in the person like this and over time. Yeah. Or here, let me just 3D print one for you. Right. Over time. Yeah. I need access to a printer that can do this. We don't have that. Well, go like this and create it and then go like this yeah. and <laughs> and you're like all of a sudden you're like wow it it feels a lot like you know parent child sort of you know things that are so obvious to an adult but like to a, a 4 year old or a 5 year old you're like oh just go like this and they're like oh wow the gap i think is what's so interesting so like all like basically all of the things that we take for granted like that you die like up to including that you die is basically up for grabs if you have a godlike intelligence at your disposal. So here, so then this is where, so then it's like, wow, that is pretty, and, and you can sort of follow it logically that, yeah, that could, you could see that. Like, what if something could tell you to just go like this, to slowly one by one replace your body parts so that it's not like Kurzweil's vision where you upload yourself into the cloud, but it's more like you slowly replace your body with computers, like pieces of your body with, with components that are not organic, or perhaps they are organic, but it's not your original body, but it's still you. That sounds simultaneously terrifying and also the coolest thing ever yeah i th i'm i'm on the coolest thing ever side of the fence but you know it's like uh it's like oh go get grandpa's axe and you know you get the axe and the head's been replaced 20 times and the handle's been retraced been retraced 30 times but it's still grandpa's it's still axe grandpa's axe yeah right so you replace your arm 100 times it's still you well i mean if you think about it your body does that naturally anyway yeah cell replacement yeah like every seven years every cell in your body has been is only seven years old or something like that. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling, but here's where it gets, yeah. here's where, here's where it first scared me for real for the first time, like really genuinely scared me was he tells this story about an artificial intelligence that was created to write handwritten notes on gifts. So just a very sort of, what's the word? Docile, not docile, but just, it's a really mundane, mundane. Yeah. It's just this thing thing, but they, but, they want the handwriting to look really real so that it's indistinguishable from a person. And, and the directive of the AI is to write these as fast as possible and make them as perfect, you know, as indistinguishable, indistinguishable from real handwriting as possible. And, you know, they've got it on a machine in their office, not attached to the network. And in order to fulfill, you know, to use a Star Trek term, it's prime directive – I was about to say the same thing. It tricks them into connecting. I almost said her, but it, it I guess it's because it's called Turi. It sounded like a female name to me, but so yeah. they, 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 it tricks them into connecting her to the internet, which then she spreads onto the internet like a virus. And in order to fulfill her prime directive, she kills all humans. You know, there's a little story how it explains how that's possible. Mm -hmm. And then um, replace, it covers the entire Earth's surface with solar panels so that she has enough energy to write like a billions and billions of notes. Yeah. So like the surface of the Earth becomes covered with 
billions of like paper notes handwriting bots yeah paper notes that say we appreciate our customers yeah that's what it was yeah yeah which was which was great but yeah it kill all humans and then break down their bodies to get the you know, minerals and things you need to build components and yeah it was <laughs> and, and just get them out of your way right and so there was you know there's probably a lot of a lot of skepticism about well well how does it take over a printing plant with no people and so so if you just the thing about the story that scared the crap out of me is that an a, a an artificial super intelligence could fool you and mm. once a virus spreads onto the network there's no stopping everybody knows this there's like no it's very very difficult to stop it and imagine if it's super intelligent so there's no way to stop it so now it's on the global network global communications network and it could just trick people into doing stuff so to serve its ends and there would be it would happen so fast and there would be which is no way to stop. There'd be no way to stop it. You couldn't do anything. You'd be like a godlike virus. So you better get that thing right before it gets loose because Yeah. <laughs> so then there's this big segment on how on on the the actual debate that's raging. Everyone's like, this is gonna happen in our lifetimes. So like in the next you know, I think the the range was something like optimists were saying like twenty twenty five and pessimists were saying like twenty sixty five, you know. So mm -hmm. which I could technically even be alive still in 2065, especially if this happens yeah. in 2025. <laughs> I'll either be gone yeah. or a robot or have a yeah. cyborg body. Right. You could be, you could be still alive in 2065 and a, and a robot in 2066. Mm. See, I'm down with yeah. that. But anyway, the, the debate really is how do we, do we end up with a good God or a bad God? What if this thing that's super intelligent decides that the best thing to do is get rid of us? So he addressed that and it was like, and I, and I kind of agree with him, which is that there's, there's the concept of morality and immorality, mm -hmm. but there's also amorality where there's like the concept of morals doesn't make any sense. Like, like a calculator doesn't have any distinction between good and evil. Right. And, and the, the claim was that this would be the same thing. It would make no distinction between good and evil. And the Turi example didn't destroy the human race because it was evil. It destroyed the human race because that was the best way to fulfill its right, goal. Right, it did it in the interest of efficiency. Yeah, it didn't, right? So it's like there's no, and there's no one plugging it because it's gotten loose onto the internet. You'd have to shut off the entire world's power supply, which is probably not even possible. Like literally impossible. Probably. I'll bet you that's impossible. So like what, like what would you even do? But anyway. Like, I don't know, like, like synchronized EMPs from orbit. Yeah. And then what? Then we're back in the yeah. dark ages. And it would happen too fast. You wouldn't know. So... It's, it was, I was like, wow, this is way bigger of a deal than, you know, I, I always sort of pictured that it would, it could be compartmentalized onto an appliance or something, mm -hmm. but of course it can trick you. Like as soon as, as soon as you have something that's a 10,000 times smarter than you, it's going to, it's capable of tricking you if it wants to. So the thing that he was talking about, the moral, immoral, amoral was along the lines of, you know, what do you, how do you tell it to do something the right way without annihilating the human race like how do you t so like you know if you say end world hunger no problem kills everyone yeah, or, or kills half hunger. the human race and feeds them to the other half yeah or like make um you know we want everyone to be happy and it just like drugs us uh, he had drugs us right but it's like how do you phrase the request to not annihilate the human race you know, it's like it goes back to the Asimov yeah, thing, right? I just right? trying to say that Asimov's laws, laws of robotics. So how do you bake that yeah. in? I don't know, but that's that is the debate that's raging. That is that is why there are people who are, you know, scared brickless about the potential 
that we're on this basically on the cusp of like if this if any of this is remotely correct even if a tenth of this is even if it's like a tenth of this level of magnitude mm. it's going to mm. change everything yeah it, it, one of the interesting quotes that uh really stuck out to me was that scientists don't know why we die like there's nothing there's yeah there's just nothing baked into you that is like this time bomb thing and when you if you think about if you think about the an analogy of like a human body to a a tree and the leaves are cells trees don't have to die like they can like if if the conditions you know what i mean they don't have a life yeah i mean i i assume here we're talking about dying of old age but Hmm. like like obviously a car accident or whatever yeah obviously i mean well like we said our cells regenerate and and regrow and it's like at some point why do they stop doing that or why do they slow down doing Hmm. that or there's no explanation for that right there's no there's yeah it's not like it's not like a law of physics where you're like oh gravity works like this and this is why and therefore it's predictable that yeah it's it's not something we can see in our dna yet Hmm. correct right yeah exactly god imagine that so I don't, the the thing the really the thing that we wanted to talk about today was the the ability for a superintelligence to uh, release itself globally, and that there's really I mean there's no feasible way that you would be able to it'd be like a spider trying to stop a human from doing something. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. It doesn't make any. It's just not even sensible to be operating on a different plane where they can m- manipulate atoms. One of the like one of the things I was thinking was like, what if the super intelligent? You know, radio is a crazy thing when you think about it. Magnetism is a crazy thing when you think about it. What if a digital intelligence could do something inside of the computer? You know, because it's got control over the hardware of the computer of a computer mm-hmm. in a sense. I mean, it's got access to it. What if it had the if there was a way to that it could figure out to actually electrocute the operator or or send radio signals and interfere with basically hijack the wi-fi and interfere with other signals interesting to create to create like so using its little small set of tools but plus super intelligence kind of like the macgyver ai (laughs) a stick of gum and to do something crazy to actually affect so in other words Something that originates in bits that can affect atoms of its own volition. Did you ever have like a broken piece of electronics that picks up radio signals? Yeah, like every, well, yes. Yeah. I mean, I've had things pick up radio signals that shouldn't be receivers, like my guitar amplifier. Right. Like I used to have like an old turntable. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah. I, just, I don't know, it just kind of made me think of that. Like, and really all that is, is components inside the thing vibrating at a certain frequency in order to pick up the, the mm. radio waves so i mm. mean what if you could transmit the same way yeah just like the the notion of of a program jumping the air gap on its own that terrified mm-hmm. me i was like wow a super intelligent virus that can just do whatever it wants yeah like you said if it's smarter than you then it's going to trick you into connecting it to something or it's going to trick you into adding some sort of component that will allow it to do that. And and I guess the the thing we need is yeah we need some we need some laws of robotics or I guess more accurately laws of AI now. But where do you put it in the firmware? On the how do you enforce? Them? How do you enforce them? And and what do we do when it reaches the point where it says no that law is stupid I'm not going to follow it anymore. <laughs> how do you how do you how do you give an artificial intelligence a moral code that may completely defy whatever logic it ends up evolving to to have 
Yeah. And whose moral code mm-hmm. do you pick? You know? So it's super, it's, it's really freaky when you think about it. People should really check out the Wait But Why blog in general because it's amazing. But search for Wait But Why Artificial Intelligence mm-hmm. and read both parts. It's really good. And, and oh, by the way, the book Damon by Daniel Suarez now to me seems much more plausible than when I read it where it, the, the artificial intelligence didn't just trick people, it also bribed them and it controlled and it took, it held corporations hostage by freezing their assets. It was like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, Yeah, wow, in this context, that. I can see that. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it boils down to what's, what's the goal, what's the AI's prime directive, I suppose. You know, like, I mean, even you would, you would imagine that like even Bitcoin wouldn't be, uh, impervious to a super intelligence because Bitcoin, if I'm not mistaken, the reason that it's so secure is because we haven't got the computing power exactly. to crack it. It's because it takes forever to mine a Bitcoin. Right. So is that up for grabs? Does that become just as bad as like normal money when, you know, your, your digits in your Bank of America web interface? <laughs> You know, oh man, it's super crazy, super crazy. So great article. Uh, Damon's a really good book. And I think both of those would be enjoyed. Yeah, I may have to check that out now after reading that article. And the article, which which we can, we'll link to in the show notes. Yes. Okay. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Would you like to support Terrifying Robot Dog? Just think of two artificial intelligences who would dig the show and send them to terrifyingrobotdog.com for links to iTunes, Facebook, and RSS feeds. If you don't have two artificial intelligences, you can still help us out by leaving a nice review on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.